Creative Babble. Do you love true crime podcasts but could do without the chatty banter? Are you intrigued by what's underneath our collective true crime obsession and want to hear field experts, authors, and content creators weigh in on the matter? Well, it might be time for you to kill the small talk and join the dialogue. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, host of Dialogue, a true crime conversation. It's a weekly podcast where I speak with fascinating guests from the true crime world and the criminal justice system. Together, we explore the genre itself and attempt to answer the why of true crime and also the question, what are we even talking about when we talk about true crime? Join me every Wednesday for a new episode and a killer conversation. Dialogue is part of the Crawl Space Network and available wherever you listen. This year in 2021, the polygraph machine turns 100 years old. Of course, man has been lying since the beginning of time. That's a lot of lying. And humans have tried all kinds of creative ways to find out if someone is telling the truth. The oldest technique is torture. In the Middle Ages, they would use boiling water on suspected liars. They believed that honest men would tolerate the pain better. Brutal, yes. Torture almost guarantees a confession, but the quality of those confessions are pretty unreliable. It wasn't until 1921 that a machine was created that could measure both blood and breathing. We call this the polygraph machine. It's much more gentle than pulling off someone's fingernails with pliers. But the question is, how accurate is it? The device has changed forms since its inception, but the basic technology essentially remains the same. Here's George Mashke from antipolygraph.org. There was an earlier device developed by William Moulton Marston, who later went on to pen Wonder Woman. Yes, the creator of Wonder Woman was one of the pioneers of the polygraph machine. In the comics, Wonder Woman wraps her lasso of truth tightly around the villain. But the purpose of the golden lasso was less about getting the truth out of someone and more about submission. If you ask George Mashke, the goal of the polygraph isn't much different. He says it's always been about gaining dominance over someone. You said that the creator of the lie detector test was a phony and a crackpot. That was the FBI's opinion, and that's handwritten on into his FBI file. The first lie detector test. It was basically a blood pressure cuff. There was no chart or recording, so there was no record that could be returned to after the test was over, just his notes while conducting the test. William Moulton Marston was a man of many talents. He not only invented the polygraph machine and created Wonder Woman, he also wrote ads for Gillette. The Gillette Razor Company made a series of advertisements in the um, 30s, where he claimed that he could tell that Gillette razor blades were better than competitors by charting their emotional responses of people as they shaved with Gillette blades versus competitive competing blades. And he claimed that the lie detector showed that Gillette blades were best. And it was utter bullshit. It says now lie detector charts emotional effects of shaving. shaving, Yes. (laughs) How emotional reactions to shaving reveal differences in razor blade quality. The lie detector records normal blood pressure before typical subject began shaving. And then step two was fluctuations show emotional disturbances caused by shaving with substitute blades. And then record off an easy, comfortable Gillette shave. 
no unpleasant reaction here. Those were the days. <laughs> we... William Marson wasn't the only quack. But the man who started the CIA's polygraph program thought that plants could read human thoughts. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of crack pottery involved with polygraphy. Grover Cleveland Baxter was largely known as Cleve Baxter. Yeah, he, he, he had a, one of the earliest polygraph schools. It was while he was in New York. He had an office plant that his secretary brought in, and he was going to water it. And the idea occurred to him he could attach the finger plates from the polygraph instrument to a leaf and see how long it would take for water that he gave the plant to reach the leaf if there was any change. Somehow he came to believe that the plant could read his thoughts and, and intentions. But despite this quackery, the lie detector prevails. Baxter, in fact, is hugely influential on the polygraph techniques used today. He developed the system of numerical scoring that's taught at the Federal Polygraph School and developed the most common technique that's used for criminal interrogations called the zone comparison test. The first director of the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, one thing he had right was that the polygraph is unreliable. And the reason he knew it was unreliable was because the first time they used it in an espionage investigation in 1938, a spy passed it and escaped on the next ship to Germany. And even the strongest supporter of the polygraph will admit that it has had some spectacular failures. In 1986 and 1991, a CIA officer passed two polygraph exams all while spying on the United States for the Soviet Union. In 1994, Aldrich Ames was arrested as a Soviet Russian spy, and he had beaten the polygraph twice while he was spying for the Russians. You would think that if a KGB agent could pass the test, that the federal government would rely less on this machine. Well, they tried that, and the FBI got burned again, with yet another KGB double agent. FBI agent Robert Hansen spied on the U.S. for the Soviets from 1979 to 2001 and never once was required to undergo a polygraph examination. As a result, a polygraph is now required for all new hires, and then they have to repeat the test every five years. So somehow the FBI got it in its head that it would be a good idea to require applicants to be special agents to take a polygraph test. Well, at the request of Jack Ruby, the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy has today conducted uh, a polygraphic examination. Even serial killers have passed the polygraph test. The Green River Killer, Gary Leon Ridgway. Real bad guys have passed the polygraph test and almost have gotten away with it. But countless innocent people have also failed. The most notable to me was during the time when detectives were searching for the notorious BTK serial killer. Bill Wegerly, whose wife was killed in 1986, was a suspect until DNA evidence traced it to Dennis Rader, who was ultimately the BTK killer. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who failed the test, and now the world believes that he killed and murdered his own wife. Yeah, isn't that horrible? Today, we're going to continue looking into the art of cheating the polygraph test. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend, stories about real people pretending to be someone else.
picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. In our last episode, you heard from Doug Williams, a former cop who administered polygraph tests for years. Polygraph in itself is a good tool. It's a good interrogation. Like I said before, there's a lot of thugs that need the shit scared out of them. And I'm proud to be one that'll scare the shit out of them. And I was damn good at it. And I still would be if I chose to do it again. So let that be said. Polygraph is good for certain circumstances. Doug Williams says that the polygraph test is an excellent interrogation device, but it's a horrible lie detector. I knew that I knew from the get-go it was a scam. Polygraph's only a lie detector if you think it's a lie detector. Then one day, Doug Williams decided to quit his job and devote the rest of his life to defeat the polygraph. And his new crusade against the lie detector landed him into some serious trouble. Today, Doug Williams is a five-time convicted felon. All because he taught two undercover agents how to cheat the test. I had been doing this for 30 Seven years teaching people how to beat the fucking polygraph. 37 years. Till the government polygraph operators finally decided that I was doing something that they could not longer. What they understood was that I was going to completely undermine their entire polygraph program and show what a fraud it was and put a $4 billion industry out of business. They set me up on bogus charges and threw me in prison and, uh, and, and for, for something that I had been doing for 37 years. When they put me in prison, though, that changed the whole the dynamic for me. Before, it was me taking on an evil industry, just this generic group out there. Now, Tom Sheck, Schwartz, Ball, and their little puppy dog, Robbins, from the Department of Homeland Security, all three of which were polygraph operators, finally got themselves in a position of authority, and they abused their authority to throw me in prison. Well, that made it personal then. This is Special Agent Brian J. Lully with CBP Office of Internal Affairs. In the last episode, you heard audio from the undercover sting. But what you didn't hear was the reason why the undercover agent was there to begin with. Here's a clip from the tape. Doug Williams asked the agent to think of the scariest thing he could think of, a memory so bad that it would cause his heart to race. The agent took this opportunity to share some incriminating information. What scenario are you going to run through your mind that will elicit this response in your mind? What are you going to think of? I got two things. Okay, tell me what you're going to think of. When I was a jailer, I smuggled cocaine in the jail. Okay. Pretty amazing. Let's don't think about that. What else? What's the other one? Well, when I came over to the road, I uh, had to go to the high school to pick up a, 
uh, student because she was involved in drugs, took her to the station, interviewed her, and on the way back, we kind of messed around. Yeah, we're not going to think about that money. You've been in a gunfight. Are you afraid of falling? Are you, do you have any children? This agent just confessed to smuggling drugs into a jail and having sex with an underage girl. How did Doug Williams react to this information? And why did he continue teaching this guy how to beat the test? Is this even ethical? Should Doug Williams have continued his training session? Or should he have just stopped right then and there? We're going to hear more of this tape later in the episode. But first, let's go back to the central question in this whole thing. Do polygraph tests even work? For that, I turn to an expert who uses this machine every single day. Have you been accused of cheating or lying or do you believe someone has lied or cheated on you? Polygraph, better known as lie detection, can help you with these issues. My name is Andrew Goldstein. I am a multi-state licensed polygraph examiner. Andrew Goldstein is a polygraph examiner for polygraphexaminer.com. So I called him to learn more about his work. What are you measuring when you're conducting a polygraph? Blood pressure, sweat response, breathing, movement. Who's coming to use your services? Well, I do everything from rape, robbery, murder, molestation, post-convicted sex offenders. Uh, past week, I did a missing person case. It's all the way down to infidelity. I'm a private examiner, so I do work for law enforcement. I work against law enforcement, and I work for the public. Let's say you had company at your house, and your wife's jewelry goes missing. There's only three people in your house. You know it's one of those three people. People typically want to know who that, which one of those was. They don't always want to get a hold of the police. They want to just find out the truth and rectify it within the family. It's interesting. It's like the way you just painted that picture. It's almost like a game of Clue, right? And sometimes people, when they know they're getting ready to have an exam, they'll confess right before they walk in the door. Sometimes it, they wait till they ask for an exam, or sometimes they just say they're not going to take it. And is that the point of the polygraph, to get a confession? No, the point of the pocket, when I, when I look at what I do every day, and I, don't, I don't care if it's just an infidelity case where someone's marriage is on the line. And what I look for is the truth. If someone's telling the truth, I want to help them prove it. If someone's lying, I try to help them be honest. So in your opinion, how accurate are polygraph machines? Polygraph, believe it or not, polygraph is not a machine. It is strictly biofeedback. There's no machine that pops up and tells you anything. What you're looking at is science. You're looking at data, looking at information. Andrew Goldstein says that people who expect the machine to spit out a result of whether someone is lying or not are thinking about it the wrong way. He says that the machine records data. It's up to the polygraph operator to interpret that data. It really depends on the technique someone uses. The experience of that examiner makes a difference. The examiner does make a difference in a polygraph. You want someone that is experienced. It's just like a doctor that comes into your room and spends two minutes with you and then wants to make a diagnosis and leave your room and doesn't really get to know your whole situation versus a doctor sits with you for 20 minutes, 25 minutes and gets to know exactly what's going to hit you. You'd rather be with him, you know, but meanwhile, they're both doctors. One's just better than the other. Polygraph is the same way. It's no different. Or think about a, de a detective that spends, you know, four hours on a case versus one that spends three days. The one that spends three, whoever's it's the time. It's someone that really cares. The machine hasn't changed much over the years, but Goldstein says that the data is much more accurate. It's just an old technique that was invented, uh, you know, over 100 years ago. 
polygraph has gotten better when it obviously when it comes to accuracy, reliability, and validity. There's no better way in science right now to detect when someone is telling the truth or not. There is no better way. According to Wired magazine, the cost to administer the test in the U.S. is more than $700. They say it's a $2 billion industry. The machine is a workhorse. Not only do government employees have to regularly take the test, but sexual offenders also have to undergo examination to make sure they're compliant with their supervision and treatment programs. Is there a way to cheat the polygraph? Well, I have tested polygraph examiners. I have seen people do things uh, that are very unusual, try and alter a test. When most people that want to what they call beat a polygraph test, alter it to where it's visibly noticeable what they're doing. You can see they're trying to beat this test. Years ago, you couldn't see those things as well. Due to technology and motion centers, you can see more of what people are doing. And are you referring to flexing your anal sphincter? Correct. There's people move their arms, they, they hold their breath, take, I mean, all the crazy things. But when you're, when you're watching biofeedback, you can see this happening. This is not something you can't say. It's not visible. You can physically see it. If they try to physically alter that test, I can show it to them. Why are you doing this? And I'll ask them, why are you doing this? This is not normal data. This is not normal physiological response for a body. I've, I've spoken to people who claim that they could beat the polygraph by putting themselves in, in a state of hypnosis, almost like a trance, so that they could counteract the physiological responses. Uh, well, this is the best way I can describe that to you, and I understand what you're saying. If you, what I'd want, the, way, the best way of telling people that is if you drive down the street, okay, and you go 15 miles over the speed limit, and you go past the police officer, what could you psychologically do to yourself to make yourself not have a response knowing you're speeding past that police officer? What could you do? What could you think about? What kind of trance can you put yourself in not to realize that police officer is going to fly behind you and put his blue lights on? What could you think? What can you, what can you mentally think about? Think about the ocean. Think about something else. And all you're going to feel is your heart jumping out of your chest. Even though you can afford that ticket, it's the thought of getting caught. People have the fear of getting detected. The person that I talked to, I'm sure you're familiar with Doug Williams. Are you familiar with Doug sure. Williams? Yeah. Sure. He, he's like, this is just a fancy billy club to get confessions out of people because a lie detector only works if you believe it. Well, people still have fear of getting detected, period. Okay. Now, there are people against the industry. There are people like that that also make a living off of saying things like this how they make a living. They sell books, videos, whatever they do. Uh, I, I, I try to ignore people like that because to me, they, they, they have their own agenda. There's a lot of people like him out there. Um, everyone has their agenda and that's his. He's had it for a long time. That's been his job. When I'm not looking for confessions, if someone's telling the truth, I want to help them prove it. The greatest cases I have are when I take someone who gets released from jail for not doing something they didn't do and then find the correct person. I use science. You know, this is not my emotions. I'm there to do a job. When we come back, more of my conversation with Doug Williams. Doug Williams worked as a polygraph operator for the Oklahoma City Police Department. Then one day, he decided to quit. 
So you did this for seven years, and you said it was bullshit from day one, but why did you do it that long? Well, I did it because it worked. And, and I, I would still continue to do it if, if, if the rest of the polygraph operators would have any vestige of, of integrity, but they don't. It, it's just a big scam. But I could justify what I did very easily because there's some guys that need the shit scared out of them. There's some guys, that, believe it or not, there's some badass motherfuckers like me that brace up badass motherfuckers that everybody else is scared to brace up. So they need fucking bracing up. There ain't no shit about that. And I didn't mind locking them motherfuckers up. And I didn't mind being more of a badass than they were. But let's don't do it to a 16-year-old kid who's applying for a job at a fucking drugstore. An article from the New York Times from 1986 states that during this time, 2 million Americans were required to take a polygraph test a year and 50,000 were denied employment or promotion based on those results. You don't do it to, to, to kids trying to go in to get a job at a drugstore or 7-Eleven or something like that. Back in 1979, they were running millions of tests every year. You couldn't get a job as a, as a bank clerk or anything else unless you took a polygraph to get it. But they don't use it anymore, right? It, didn't Reagan pass a law against that? No, fucking Reagan didn't pass a law. Doug Williams passed a fucking law. Reagan was gonna, Reagan was gonna veto that son of a bitch. No, Reagan didn't fucking pass anything. The law we're talking about is the Employee Polygraph Protection Act of 1988. The EPPA prevents employers from using a polygraph, with one exception: government employees. Doug Williams is working on changing that. He wants to make sure that government employees have the same protection as everyone else. If we're not going to outlaw use of, in the government like we do in the private sector we should at least put some stringent requirements on it. The sentence simply said, this, none of this law applies to the United States federal government or any law enforcement agencies, blah, blah, blah. So they just do whatever they want to do. We need to get that sentence taken out and those restrictions put in. Let's get this down and quit, get it out of the area of witchcraft and get it into some sort of a way where we can calibrate and see what's going on here. Doing that would make them jump through so many hoops they wouldn't use it like they do now, just every damn time for every applicant, for everything, every internal investigation because it's so easy to turn to it. Reagan threatened to veto the Employee Polygraph Protection Act unless the government was given carte blanche ability to run any kind of test they wanted. Remember George Mashke from earlier in the episode? Well, he too is a casualty of the lie detector test. He says the government accused him of being a spy after he failed the polygraph test during his FBI application. Being falsely accused of lying about contacts with members of a foreign government and unauthorized disclosure of uh, classified information. You were trying to apply to become an FBI agent. And as part of the process, you have to take a polygraph, right? Right. They had just begun requiring polygraph testing. I was one of, among the first to be polygraphed for the job. I told the truth on the, on the polygraph. I answered all the questions truthfully, but nonetheless failed. Why do you think you failed that test? I don't know. I didn't feel particularly nervous when answering the questions. I was never able to see the polygraph charts. Did you know right away that you failed the test or was it afterwards they sent you a letter and they just told no, you? No, the, the, the polygraph operator told me I failed at the end and he asked me, uh, you know, pressed me not terribly strongly, but for, for any admissions. And I had none to make because uh, I had answered all the questions truthfully. You were an aspiring 
FBI agent, you know, you apply, you take this polygraph test and then you fail it. And you're not quite sure why. What was your interest in the FBI? Well, I was in army intelligence. I was an interrogator in the mid 80s. I learned Arabic at Army's language school. In 1991, George was sent on a highly sensitive mission to work alongside the FBI in the Los Angeles field office. During that time, George Mashke received a letter of appreciation from the FBI director and the Secretary of Defense. His career in government was looking promising. I was put in a windowless room listening to wiretaps during the war. Then again, a couple of years later, the World Trade Center in New York was bombed. And so I worked there translating documents that had been seized from the suspects in, in that case. And then one day, it just came crashing down. Shortly after that, the Army revoked my security clearance. And so that was the end of my military career. Someone was trying to set me up. I, that, I have no doubt. I think it was probably the government. I found out what happened to me had happened to a bunch of other people, and they were talking publicly about it. And I felt compelled to tell my stories. George and another lie detector critic started a website called antipolygraph.org as a way to promote their book, The Lie Behind the Lie Detector. Since then, the site has grown into a treasure trove of information, from declassified documents to message boards where other polygraph critics can share their stories. I was deeply offended to be branded as a liar by the U.S. government based on a fraudulent pseudoscience that depends on the operator lying to and deceiving every single person who's tested. I felt compelled to speak publicly about that, and no one seems to know about it. It's like mysterious. And so one of the things we set out to do was to demystify polygraphy, to point it out for the pseudoscience that it is. I, I, if you ask most Americans, I think they would say, well, it's not 100% reliable, but there must be something to it. If they keep using it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The police wouldn't use it. The FBI wouldn't use it. The CIA wouldn't be relying on it. I keep going back to this question. If Doug Williams' training on how to beat a polygraph test is a bunch of baloney, then why is the government going after him so hard? In the last episode, I played for you the audio of the undercover sting. Let's back up a bit to when the agent first made contact with Williams. The agent sent Doug Williams an email asking to use his services. They go back and forth a few times. Doug Williams could tell that something wasn't right. He wrote back and said, frankly, Javier. Oh, by the way, the undercover agent's name is also Javier. Doug Williams wrote, frankly, Javier, I smell a rat. He wrote this in all caps. Williams goes on to write again in all caps. It looks like you're setting me up. Do not send the money. Do not make the reservations. I'm not going to help you. He begged me. He kept tell, begging me 21 different times on on three different phone calls to come train train him to pass the polygraph test because he was under investigation for looking the other way when somebody brought in cocaine. And I told him, no, I was not going to fucking do that. But somehow, somewhere in between all the back and forth conversation, Doug Williams changed his mind. Then, 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 after me telling him no 21 times, the tape was stopped, and the guy who was giving the testimony for the government said, Doug Williams called him back and made him an, made an appointment for training the very next day, neglecting to say that we have deleted the part of the tape where the guy says, wait a minute, 
I already told them I did that. They already know I did that. I just don't want to be accused of something I didn't do. By the way, I don't have the phone recordings, but essentially William says that the agent wasn't going to deny his illegal actions. He just didn't want to be falsely accused for other crimes. But according to Williams, the government left out this little piece of evidence that would clear him from any wrongdoing. That one exculpatory statement there at the end was suspiciously missing, and I really don't sound very good on there. So it was a deliberate distortion of the evidence by the United States federal government to present a picture that was not true about me. And didn't you write him an email that, that says, Javier, I smell a rat. Yeah, but that's when he assured me that, no, I, I'm just, I've already told that. They left that part out. Four months later, this other agent comes to you and he says that he's being served search warrants for his office and his home. It's like, it like I was talking to a mental patient. It never didn't make any sense. He first came in and he had this big old fucking backpack and he kept rearranging it in the corner and all that. I thought, what the fuck's this guy doing? It's a little old eight by 10 office in there. And I said, man, just leave your shit over there. <clears throat> well, I've come to find out he was setting these camera and his recording devices and all that up in there. But anyway. Let's listen to the secret audio recording again from the undercover sting. The agent paid for one-on-one -on -one training with Doug Williams. When the agent arrives, Doug runs through his spiel. And then, apropos of nothing, the agent brings up having sex with a 14-year-old again. When I sold the cocaine to this girl in the jail, when she got out, I started having sex with her. He said, I've done a few things, but I just don't want it to get back to the sheriff. If, if, I, if I tell them that I sold drugs in the jail when I was a jailer, why would you, why would you do that anyway? I mean, I'm, sure, I'm certainly not going to tell them I got a blowjob from a 14-year-old girl in why would you ever say something like that? Gonna do that the agent told Williams that not only did he smuggle in drugs inside the jail, but he also had oral sex with a 14-year-old girl. Remember, this is all a lie. It's all part of the setup. That's what are you talking about? He said, well, I brought in some cocaine to the prison, and I did something. I molested a little 14-year-old girl I was taking home or something. All the terrible things that he was talking about. And I said, well, wait a minute. What do you... Oh, are you afraid? What are you afraid it's gonna? How are you afraid it's gonna get back to to a sheriff? I don't understand what you're talking about. And he says, "No." He says, "I, I plan on telling them, telling them this at the, on the polygraph, but I just don't want it to get back to the sheriff." And I said, "Well, probably will." I said, "Man, if you're gonna tell them that, why the hell are you even gonna go take the test?" That's, that's, why would you ever say something like that? Anyway, I'm sure I'm certainly not gonna tell them I got a blowjob from a 14-year-old girl. 
Why would you ever tell them sons of bitches anything that you don't want them to know? Yeah. Unless you just I said, it doesn't even make sense. I said, are you, what the hell are you doing here anyway? And I was getting all pissed off at him. He says, no, he says, I just, I just want to learn how to pass the test. He said, I, I'm going to tell him everything that, I, that, that, I, that I've done. I don't think, I went ahead and half-assed gave him the training. I really didn't do much with him. I just mainly wanted him out of there. I think just talking about it, telling someone, telling you. Yeah, you, you confessed, okay. I said, this guy's crazy. So I went around. And I, I did my psychotic priest routine. <laughs> What's that like? You are absolved. That's going to help. You are absolved, Brian. We will forget about it. Yes, you got money. Yes, I got money. Go for push it. Left it. Go money. Go it. Can go not lucky. I get around and get right in front of his face. And I start going through the Holy Latin Mass. Lick my finger on my, lick my index finger and put the sign of the cross on his forehead. Nothing about this session was typical. Something was up. After a few interruptions, Doug Williams was able to complete his training, and the agent was actually able to fool the polygraph. You got any more silly questions? You want to go catch your Nothing. All right, motherfucker. I said, you about ready to go catch your plane? Because he had started off talking about how he had to hurry up and get catch his plane. I said, why don't you go catch your fucking plane? I mean, he like to broke his neck coming out of there. Thank you so much, sir. It's the top one that's locked. Okay. All right. As soon as he busted through the door, five, five, count them, in bulletproof vest, and come in, slam me up against the wall, grab my pistol, cut my cell phone, Handcuffed me. I mean, so damn tight it bucked off the circulation. So I said, "What the fuck?" I said, "I said, I'll tell you what, fellas. I don't know what this is, but if you, if you're trying for shock and awe, consider it done. I am in shock and I am in awe." I said, well, "I ain't gonna tell you shit till I talk to my attorney. I don't know what this is all about." That kept me there for four hours, and while while at the same time they had fifteen people over at my house keeping my wife away while they searched every fucking thing in there and took everything they could fucking get. Why did they do all this? Because I taught somebody how to relax when they answered a relevant question and how to think of something scary when they answered a control question. Some people might say that, hey, Doug Williams is teaching criminals how to beat the test. A guy who says he had sex with a 14-year-old, uh, a guy that says he was bringing drugs into the jail. Like, What do you say to that? It didn't happen. It was all. It was all made up. It, no, no, I know. But hypothetically, let's say a, a okay, real hypothetically, bad guy. Yeah. hypothetically, hypothetically, what did I? What did I do wrong? I didn't tell them to lie. Right. They told me they were just trying to keep from getting accused of something they didn't do. The other guy told me he told me he was going to confess to those very things on the polygraph. So what was my responsibility there? He's already said he's going to confess when he takes the polygraph. So tell me what I did wrong. Seriously, tell me what I fucking did wrong. I guess your critics would say, oh, well, you're teaching people how to beat this test. No, no, see what? No, their critics should say, well, the government lied by saying that he was doing that because he wasn't. If you'll listen to the tapes, I got every damn one of them. I defy you to listen to those tapes and read that investigative report and find out where I committed 
even one felony crime, let alone five. We have a Fifth Amendment right to not give evidence our, against ourselves, don't we? Right. To not okay. incriminate yourself. Well, that. what is the polygraph recording? It's recording your blood pressure, your blood pressure, your pulse rate, and your respiration, your sweat activity on your hands. That's what it records. We also know that if you have the ability to control every one of those tracings to present the best evidence you can so as not to incriminate yourself, don't you think you have a duty to yourself to do just that? In Doug Williams' eyes, he did nothing wrong. He was just exposing a magic trick that the government has been using for a hundred years in order to fool people into confessing. Me telling everyone that there really isn't a Wizard of Oz, it's just the little man behind the curtain, is somehow wrong. George Mashke from antipolygraph.org says that the government is trying so hard to keep the genie in the box. They're worried what will happen if people realize how easy it is to fool the machine. He says instead of going after Doug Williams, they should be worried about real threats. You would think that the U.S. government, well, they'd be focusing on what does the KGB teach? You know, what does Chinese intelligence teach? What, do, what did the East Germans teach? No, no. They talked about Doug Williams and antipolygraph.org. And obviously they wouldn't be so concerned about either Doug Williams if if there wasn't some validity to what you guys were teaching. Yeah, like if, if we were teaching people, you know, I don't know, put a penny under your tongue and you'll pass the polygraph, they wouldn't have gone after Doug for that. So something in the instruction that, that's out there is agitating them because this is a very effective interrogation tool. Here you have a guy that Doug Williams assumes is a real you know, government employee who may have smuggled drugs. He's admitting it. And Doug Williams says, I don't care if you did it or if you didn't do it. And yet he's teaching him how to cheat this test. I wouldn't help someone who approached me saying, look, I need to take this polygraph test and I'm going to lie to investigators. I, I wouldn't proceed. My advice to anyone in a position like this, you know, who says that they, they have the job, but they've got to take a polygraph for work would be refuse it and get a lawyer. But I, I wouldn't teach them how to beat the polygraph. And do you feel like that's a big difference between what you do and, and Doug Williams? Um, it's, it's a complicated question. They sprung this on him after he had already received the down payment for the training. And he may have felt obligly, obligated to go through with it, not to, to cancel and say, I'm sorry, no, we can't uh, go ahead with this anymore. In, in the first pretext call they, they set up, they, he was... Doug Williams said no m numerous times. So ethically, I think I, w I would not have done what, what Doug did. And that could be par part of the reason I wasn't prosecuted. Uh, you could say on one hand, hey, freedom of speech. But on the other hand, what if Al-Qaeda or something starts learning from this? One of the things I've been criticized by polygraph operators for is actually our book, The Lie Behind the Light and Hector, was read by 
Sunni rebels in Iraq who were fighting U.S. forces. It was clear they used antipolygraph.org as a source for, uh, for an article in Arabic on how to beat the polygraph. And I don't have an ethical problem with that. Mashke says that the public deserves to know the truth about the polygraph. Polygraph testing wasn't developed by the government originally. It was all done outside of the government. The techniques are very well documented. If you go to a research library, you can find out all you want to know about polygraphy. And so these are not like secret sources and methods. The government would like to pretend it's secret. This brings up a good point. Is Doug Williams' training considered free speech? Some would argue that it's not. It's a crime to knowingly help someone lie to a federal agent. Training someone to lie is different in the eyes of the Constitution than writing a manual or posting it online. Here's what I find very troubling from a free speech First Amendment point of view uh, about the prosecution of Doug Williams. The government, in fact, the government's polygraph operators organized this sting operation against him because they wanted to shut him up. They weren't happy that he was teaching people how to beat a polygraph test. As he told me, he never had a, a client or customer come up to him, tell him that he was committing some crime and trying to beat the system. People don't do that. Only these undercover agents did that because they were trying to entrap him. They, because they wanted to shut him up. In prison, that must have been awful because you've worked at the White House Situation Room. You've been at the highest levels of government, and and then now you're in prison. What was that like? <laughs> they put me in on Halloween, <laughs> so it was trick or treat. I go up there and they take me in and strip you down, do all that shit, and give you your fucking North Korean army uniform. <laughs> this is what it looked like. First thing that came to my mind is. Hotel California. <laughs> you can check out anytime you like, but you can never fucking leave. <laughs> so let's face it. If Doug Williams is right, the real argument isn't whether the machine can tell if someone's lying. He says the government isn't looking for the truth. They just want confessions. The two of these things don't always go hand in hand, and that's what they're desperately trying to protect. Let's talk about that as an interrogation tool, because a lot of law enforcement agencies have gotten confessions. Right. Yeah, and that's, I think, the key reason why government use of it persists, because of the, the value of those confessions. If a suspect confesses, then they're very likely to plead guilty as well, which saves, well, it saves investigative resources. It can save the expense of a trial. And similarly, for job applicants, um, when an applicant admits to behavior that disqualifies them for the job, well, that saves agency time on a background investigation. Now, polygraphs aren't admissible in court, is that correct? Not entirely. Under the Daubert standard, a judge can choose to entertain testimony about whether a polygraph test should be admitted or not. In practice, it rarely happens. Andrew Goldstein, the polygraph operator, says, don't dismiss the polygraph exam because it helps keep our neighborhoods safe. So it, a lot of what I do right now is infidelity and molestation. Awful lot of molestation. Uh, that must be heartbreaking. To me, it's, it's a job. I'm there to do my job. I never get personal. And I'm not there against someone. And I've had people accused of molestation and didn't do it. And I've had people, you know, that have done it. 
and have confessed to it and served their time and gotten out. Would you want a man that gets out of jail for molestation to be free on the street to live right next door to you and no one be watching what he's doing? You want some kind of counterbalance to make sure this person's not reoffending because he may be reoffending against your own child or your own grandchild. So what say you? What is your argument for or against the polygraph? Have you ever taken the test? Did you fail? Did you pass? If so, send me your story. I'm curious about your experience. But for now, let's give Doug Williams the last word. How does he plan to focus his time now that he's out of prison? I'm now going up with some class action lawsuits with some very powerful attorneys, and we're going to take them fucking polygraph industry down, particularly at the federal government level, because they're perpetrating a fraud and they're hurting people. I'm going to bring down a $4 billion industry, and I would be very surprised if I lived to talk about it, but... So far, so good. Like that, like it just—it's just like the old boy said when he jumped off the top of the Empire State Building. He passed the 12th floor, and somebody hollered at him, said, "How you doing, man?" He says, "Well, hell, so far, so good." By the way, since I got your podcast available here for free advertisement purposes, that's another thing. That's another thing I'm putting out as much as I can. Anybody, and I mean anybody who has been damaged as a result of the fraud of polygraph testing, whether you've lost a job, whether you've lost your freedom, whether you've lost a relationship that meant something to you, whether it was a job opportunity, whatever it was, if you lost it because a polygraph operator said you were deceptive and you know you were not deceptive, when a person is damaged by a federal agent perpetrating a fraud, they are entitled to damages, and I will testify in any courtroom, anytime, anywhere, pro bono, free of charge. I would like some help for travel arrangements, but that's the only thing I would require. Rather than have a class action to start with, let's get 10,000 individual lawsuits going all the same fucking time. I reached out to Doug Williams just to see what he thought about the episode but he never returned any of my emails. Then I learned, just days after part one of this series aired, that Doug Williams passed away from a medical illness. He was 75. Doug Williams lived an extraordinary life, from his work inside the White House Situation Room to his career as a polygraph examiner for the Oklahoma City Police Department. But perhaps he'll always be remembered for his crusade against the polygraph industry. He was instrumental in the passing of the Employee Polygraph Protection Act of 1988, and he educated countless people on the flaws of the polygraph machine. He died a five-time felon for what he believed was his calling. You know, I had one listener reach out and tell me that they agreed with Doug Williams the polygraph machine is flawed, and many innocent people have lost their jobs or freedom because of it. But this listener did not like the messenger. She found his style brash and overbearing. But maybe that was the whole point. Would anybody listen if he quietly challenged the industry? I don't know. Either way, love him or hate him, Doug Williams made a mark in this world. And I'm lucky to have had a chance to talk with him.
creative babble.